he complains about he's never spent a weekend with the girl. Uh, he's he um, he's never vacationed with the girl. He never lived with the women. Um, he he's maybe had sex a few times in his life, and he goes on like this. He just had a lot of hatred in him, and he was um, hell bent on committing this act, and there was nobody going to stop him. That's Bridgeville, Pennsylvania, police spokesperson Charles Moffat right there talking about George Sedini. I mean, can you imagine going for a workout at your favorite gym here in South Florida? You've just done about 15 minutes on the Stairmaster. Guy dressed in black walks in, turns off the lights, pulls out a gun, opens fire on every woman within shooting distance. He shot 52 times. He killed three women, wounded nine more, including a 10-week pregnant aerobics instructor who was shot twice, even blogged about his plan online. What was the tipping point? How long had this man's frustration and hatred for women been brewing? And what can we watch for in people that you and I may know and consider full of anger and hate? Joining us this morning is celebrity life coach and human behavior experts in Miami, Dr. Patrick Wanis. Dr. Wanis in New York this morning. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. You're welcome. I know you've been uh, following this story. When I, when I uh, communicated with you yesterday, you said you've been watching this pretty closely. What do we know about this George Sedini, 48 years of age at this point? Well, I guess the best way to sum it up, Russ, is to say that he fits the entire description of a list that I've put together of the warning signs and characteristics of mass killers and mass murderers. And I think it's important to sort of go through that list first and then show you how he fits into that. Okay. Um, you know, because there are, there are various contributing factors that can lead to a person becoming a mass killer, such as exacerbation of aggressiveness and tendencies to violence, which could be due to psychiatric medication. Social withdrawal, antisocial behavior, a victim mentality, a persecution complex, um, blaming everything outside of you, extreme chronic stress, feelings of powerlessness, a lack of emotional support from friends and family, a list of grievances, usually people that um, the murderer feels have wronged him, feelings of extreme disappointment, frustration and failure, an inability to cope with life and its disappointments, feelings that life is so now so bad that it's become hopeless, it's bad, it's beyond redeem, and then obviously plans and desires for revenge against those who, who cause them to suffer, sometimes it's family members or co-workers. And there's only two more left, the desire to hurt the world, believing that they're victims in a cruel, unjust world which hurt them, mm-hmm. and then finally access to automatic weapons. And Russ, the point here is that George Sudini fit this description, almost every single aspect of it. Now, was he on medication? We don't know. But in his diary, he spoke of his struggles with, with alcoholism. Did he have access to automatic weapons? Of course he did. In fact, three of the four guns found with him were traced back to him. There were two 9mm semi-automatic weapons. And then we, we need to talk about his mental and emotional state. In 2006, he stopped attending church. And you say, well, why is that significant? Only that it may have been an indicator that his behavior was progressively becoming antisocial. His neighbors said he was a recluse. They said he stopped talking to them in the past few years, and they described him as antisocial. He, Sedini himself, listed his status as never married, and he, he characterized himself as a depressed loner, and listen to this, with no way out of his mis- misery other than death. Now, I think there's two other key points here, Russ. There was a lot of information that, was, that, that the police have already uncovered about Sedini, unlike, say, other mass killers. <clears throat> the first is his online diary, and the other is the note that was found at the scene in his gym bag. In that note, he complains he had never spent a weekend with a woman, he never vacationed with a woman, never lived with a woman, and that he had limited sexual experiences. But 
throughout that and his online blog, he began to document his growing rage at women, and listen to this, for rejecting him and his growing rage at the world which he felt abandoned him. Remember, this fits entirely into the list. In his online um, description or his online blog, he said, the biggest problem of all is not having relationships or friends, but not being able to achieve and acquire what I desire in those or many other areas. And he said, everything stays the same, regardless of the effort I put in. Yeah, if I had control over my life, then I'd be happier. But for about the past 30 years, I have not. So this has been brewing for a very, very long time. And there is a lot of anger and rage. And there is a, uh, an excerpt of some of the things he wrote online where he, almost, he also wrote you know, like a, a resume. And he talks about not just anger and rage at men and women, but he also starts entering the racial issue about black men finding white, you know, hoes. Uh, and so this guy had unbelievable rage, but particularly most of it was geared towards women and that his, he felt his life was beyond help. It was hopeless. There was nothing else he could do. It would never change. Then he began to plan this over a period of nine months. Yeah. Well, but, you know, Dr. Wallace, you said for you, because you got those Hollywood good looks and you're, of course, a noted psychologist, uh, have been rejected by women. I mean, all of us have to remind ourselves from time to time that life is not fair. We feel we've been, you know, given a short end of the stick in some cases. What would make this, what would make bring it, bring him to a tipping point, to a boiling point where we would erupt and do this? And apparently he went in there twice and chickened out and then finally came back the third time. I was wondering what kind of a little pep talk he was giving himself. Well, you know, there's an interesting thing that he wrote specifically. He said, uh, you know, I actually look good, I dress good, I'm clean-shaven, bathed, touch of cologne, yet 30 million women rejected me over an 18- or 25-year period. That's how I see it, he says. And then he repeats, 30 million is my rough guesstimate of how many desirable single women there are. Now, listen to what he says here next, and this is a clue. A man needs a woman for confidence. He gets a boost on the job, career with other men, and everywhere else when he knows inside he has someone to spend the night with and who is also a friend. What he's telling you is he wasn't just rejected. He was alone. He was a loner. He had no one. Now, this doesn't mean <clears throat> that he was beyond help or beyond redeemed, but he felt he was. He didn't know who to turn to or he didn't reach out to the right people. And I don't know the rest of his story regarding his work situation of what other stress there is in his life. But I think it became, you know, you asked an interesting question. We all, as men, experience rejection. We're all told no. But when we start to internalize it to the extent that says the world is bad because it's rejecting me, and then we take that rejection and turn it further into rage and anger at women, then we, when, then we start to create the desire to want to hurt them back. That's what he did. He didn't just get to the level of saying everything's hopeless. He got to the next level, which is, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to pay them back, which was then him walking into the gym and shooting to kill. Hey, Dr. Wannis, hang on a second. We're going to play a couple of commercials, check traffic. We'll come back and pick this up and delve a little deeper into the insanity or the trip into insanity for George Sedini. And what would happen if we uh, have somebody in our lives that we know that may be showing some of these uh, symptoms you described there? And what should we do? 
coming up in just a couple of minutes. So News Talk 850 WFTL. I'm picking up our conversation with celebrity life coach and human behavior expert Dr. Patrick Wanis this morning from Miami and uh, joining us live this morning from New York. He's doing some work up there this morning. We're picking, uh, talking about George Sedini, the 48-year-old guy who walked into that L.A. Fitness Center about 30 minutes outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and opened fire with uh, four handguns, shot 52 times, killed three women, wounded nine other, including a pregnant aerobics instructor. And uh, one of the concerns we have, Dr. Wanis, of course, is we all have people in our lives we know are a little angry, a little frustrated, uh, quick, uh, you know, quick snappers, that sort of a thing. Are there some things we can we can see in these people uh, that, that really should tip us off that these people really need help? They could go in this direction. And then what do we do if we see that? Yeah, it's hard to say that, look, once you see someone do this, it equals that. Um, but as I said before, there are some characteristics. One is if someone starts to notice with George Sudini that he stopped talking to his neighbors. He dropped out of church. He began to engage in what we call social withdrawal. That means not wanting to hang out with people, not wanting to talk, not wanting to connect. He began antisocial behavior. Then you look for signs of anger and rage. How is he expressing that? But it can also be the opposite, where he completely keeps it secret, but he's writing out his anger and rage on a blog or on, on an online blog or in a diary, and then he has plans that he's going to do something. Um, I think the other thing is that we... I mean, there's some important points here, Russ. A lot of this is an indictment on our society. Also, in terms of the way that we're interacting with people. I mean, here I'm in New York City. New York City people don't even connect. They're, they're always so... They're in such a hurry. Everything's so fast. George Sudini had no powerful background. He wrote about his father as saying that his father was useless. He says, um, my father was just a useless sperm donor. He said, my dad never once talked to me or asked me about my life's details and tell me what he knew. Don't know why. Um, and then he says, my brother was actually counterproductive and would try to embarrass me or discourage my efforts when pursuing things, especially girls on teen years. He says, useless bully. So this is a guy who had a really bad childhood, a really bad family. If you're at work, get to know the people you're working with. Whoever are the people in your life, get to know them beyond just, hey, good day, how's it going? Mm -hmm. I mean, get to really know the people because, one, you know, your question, which is valid, is you can keep yourself safe by knowing who you're working with. But two, you know, we've become so self-absorbed and self-indulgent we're forgetting about reaching out to other people and helping them about being a good neighbor about expressing kindness about expressing compassion or empathy this guy committed this for two for one main reason he felt that everything was hopeless and nothing would change so what do we i mean but what do we do i mean we do like an intervention do we get a bunch of people to come in and say listen uh, we've noticed you've been kicking dogs and and being mean to people you look very frustrated and uh and you well that intervention Russ, it's a good question. The intervention depends on who that person is. If it's someone at work and you see that they've got a lot of anger and rage and you see them kicking a dog or doing something that's, um, that's very an act of cruelty, then you report that to one of your superiors and then it's their job to then report it to either mental health authorities or the police. If it's someone within your family, then you're either going to sit down and talk to them or, yes, you're going to, you're going to engage in an active intervention where you're going to bring in a mental health professional or someone to help them or someone at church. But did you notice that what I said? It's about taking action. It's not about right. saying, oh, this is someone else's problem, which is what we all tend to do. We ignore. We're walking so fast and we see someone hurt or we see something happening or we see someone crying. I was moving through the subway the other day, a woman's crying. People just ignore her. I was walking down the street again in New York City, another woman walking and crying. People just ignore her. That's the kind of society we've created. 
Well, but do you walk up to a stranger who happens to be crying and say, is there something I can do? I mean, they're just going to shove you well, away. Are that's they not? a good I mean, question. Why is there something wrong with that? Why don't we do that? Why don't we say, you know, can, may I help you? Is there, is there something I can do? If the person says get lost, at least you reached out. Good but point. that's a lot better than at least that person's not going to say, well, no one cares about me. Because if a few people ask, is there something I can help? At least that person's not going to feel like the world doesn't care and everything's hopeless and helpless. Good advice. Good advice. And I, I understand there's more good advice on your website, which is? PatrickWanis.com. Spell your last name? W-A-N-I-S. Very good. Thank you for being with us this morning. I wish we had more My time pleasure, with you. Russ. Always a pleasure to have you on. Dr. Patrick Wanis, celebrity life coach, human behavior expert out of Miami on News Talk 850 WFTL.